Welcome to Belly Dance Alchemy, a captivating blend of the best elements of career and professional development and the magic of belly dance. I'm your host, Kelly Nottingham. Ready to make your day job sparkle and your dance life grow in new and inspiring ways? Let's see what we can brew up. Hello, dancers. Now, I was fortunate enough in November, December of 2019 to go on a vacation with my husband. We're especially lucky because we had no idea that COVID was going to hit and we would be locked down to not going on vacation for a very long time again and not being able to travel. And I'm really grateful now looking back on it that I decided on that trip to take a break from the news, take a break from social media, take a break from email, everything. It turned out to be kind of a sabbatical in a way. I took the time to immerse myself into what we were seeing and what we were experiencing on a day-to-day basis in the moment. I spent a week away, especially from social media input, and I have to say I felt so much better taking time away from social media. I felt more in tune with what I wanted. Uh, I was actually able to make some decisions around things that I had been putting off making decisions on and saying no to things that I realized I didn't want because I really started listening to my own gut. This trip solidified my decision to leave my corporate job and to start my own company uh, because I was finally listening to those voices in the back of my head that I had been drowning out with all of this input. And once I cut out a lot of that noise that was going on, it helped me to see that I was pulling myself in a lot of different directions. It really helped me to see my own reality a lot more clearly. And it caused me to do some deep thinking about the way our brains work and how perfectionism in particular is affected by outside influences. So as I was on this trip and in the weeks coming back from this trip, I spent a lot of time having deep thoughts in the shower, which is where a lot of us, (laughs) we have our brilliant moments in the shower. I came up with a term. Now, as you listen to this podcast and to the you know, more episodes, you will realize I have this thing for making up words for stuff. I love to make up my own words. I'm sorry, Merriam-Webster. This is a term that popped into my head, perfectionism. Perfectionism is what we're going to be talking about in this episode today. We're going to be talking about the context that you're building in your mind by what you feed your brain. We're going to be talking a little bit about one specific type of cognitive bias that our brains tend to default to, and we're going to look at how we can build our own context to be more in line with what we value. So that sounds super heavy. I promise this is not going to be a super heavy episode. We're going to keep it fun, hopefully, and lighthearted. So here we go. What is perfectionism? It's the belief in the truth or validity of the public filtered image that people put out into the world. So this could be the way that they share things about their careers or their dance life or their personal lives through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, LinkedIn, whatever other type of social media is out there, but it doesn't even have to be just social media. This filtered view that that we all create 
and put out into the world is not inherently bad. It's a way to brand ourselves personally and professionally. I mean, we all want to look like we have ourselves together. We don't, you know, want to look like a complete mess all of the time. But it's important for our discussion on perfectionism to understand that because this view of ourselves and this view that others are creating is a curated view, it's filtered, it is therefore not 100% authentic. It is not objective reality. But as we're going to see, we have a hard time not letting those filtered views of people's lives affect how we view ourselves and our place in the world. And we begin to believe in the validity of those curated views and comparing ourselves to that curated view. That is what perfectionism is. It's a comparison of our own reality to the curated reality that others are putting out into the world. Now, there's a cognitive bias called availability heuristic. I'm not going to ask you all to spell that. If you can spell that, congratulations, you get double points for today. Cognitive biases are really complicated. I enjoy studying them and learning a lot about them, and there is a lot of research constantly going on about different ways that cognitive biases work in our brains. But essentially, what they are, boiled down to a one-sentence level, is that they are ways for our brains to create shortcuts in our thinking and processing to be more efficient and to help us deal with the gazillion inputs that we're taking in every single day. So the availability heuristic says that our judgments are influenced by what pops most easily into mind. So how recent or emotionally powerful or strange and unusual that our memories are can make them seem more relevant. Now this can then cause us to apply them too often or too readily to situations where they shouldn't necessarily be implied. So I'll give you an example to explain this. Many, many people in the general non-belly dancing public think of belly dancers as being lithe, lean, young, seductive women. Now, this is because this is what they've been exposed to through movies, TV books, maybe seeing a few dancers in restaurants or dancing at, at a show that, that those are confirmed images in their mind of that's what a belly dancer is. So their brain, when they think of the term belly dancer, that is what their brain goes to, even if they have seen dancers who deviate from that image. If they are tied more to that image or that image resonates with them on a deeper level, that is what their brain is immediately going to pop up with as image of a belly dancer. So what this means for us is that our brains have a hard time telling the difference between true objective reality and what springs to mind most because of what we've been feeding it. Even if we tell ourselves, like, well, that so-and-so's highlight reel online, you know, they're they're posting their, their best photos and their best videos, and thus it is not the objective reality of their day-to-day -day life, it still feeds our brains a specific image, and that builds a context for how we understand ourselves and the expectations we have for ourselves. 
Now, this can also provide context for what we think others expect of us because this is the quote-unquote norm in our minds that we have created because this is what pops into our heads most frequently. So this is where that idea of perfectionism comes in. We may know consciously, this is probably not all of this person's life, but this is the image that pops into our head most often of what, for example, a successful dancer looks like. And this perfectionism that grows out of this can cause us to live in a fear bubble where we don't want to put ourselves out there because we fear judgment based on how we would compare to what other people are putting out there. Now, this also plays into how we view how quickly or effectively we learn and the judgments that we're making about our learning paths or our learning curves. So when we see someone succeeding and just blowing past us uh, where we are in our lives with some amazing skill set, and this can be in their career or their dance life, all we see is that we're going really, really slow while they're going like 100 miles an hour past us. We don't see their learning curve. We don't see how long it took them to get up to that speed. We just see them whizzing past us while we are working very slowly to try to get speed going. We don't see how much they struggled. We don't see in their career how hard they had to work to get that cushy job. Frankly, we don't even see it, whether it is a cushy job. It looks like a cushy job on the surface, but it might not be behind the scenes. We don't see how hard they have to work out to maintain their fitness levels. We don't see their days where they struggle with body image or keeping a project at work from just completely blowing up or that they may have a lot of help to have gotten where they are. I mean, I love Oprah. I love Oprah. But I cringe when people say things like, well, Oprah does all of these things and she only has 24 hours in a day too. Yeah, well, Oprah has people to do things for her. Oprah ain't scooping her own cat boxes. You know what I mean? So when we see things like this, we can feel like success happens really suddenly to them because we're not seeing all the background work and the sweat and the tears and the self-doubt and the frustrations and the potential failures that they dealt with. And when we work to achieve something ourselves, we're comparing our attempts at success with what we see they are doing as far as their success goes. And it can make our success feel like less because it was more perceived effort or it, in our minds, took us longer than it took so-and-so to accomplish the same thing. Now, the internet also allows people to seem like instant experts. They may not have been instant at all. Uh, I saw an interview with Marie Forleo, who some of you may be familiar with, and she was talking about this concept of instant overnight successes. And she says, people don't understand that my overnight success took 10 years. They didn't see all of that. All they see is the now. The other challenge with the internet and this idea of being an instant expert is that the person may not actually be an expert. So I heard a podcast one time, and this was fascinating to me. It was about yo-yos. Uh, it's this podcast called Stuff You Should Know, and they do a bunch of really interesting random topics. But they were talking about yo-yos and how some yo-yo celebrities, apparently this is a thing, uh, were frustrated by the new yo-yo experts on the internet 
because they said, one guy was specifically quoted as saying that just because you can do a trick one time on camera doesn't mean that you're an expert because it may have taken you a hundred tries to get that one correct trick done to put on the internet. But they're able to post that one video and sort of let people believe that they are able to do it every single time. And I thought that was a really interesting perspective because it is true that when we see someone accomplishing something online, we make the assumption through this idea, again, of perfectionism, that they are able to do that level of success every single time. We don't necessarily see that it takes them 50 tries to do this one thing correctly. Now, if we feed our brains different images that may be in line more with what we value or consider quote-unquote normal, or feeding our brain no images (laughs) by taking a break from feeding it specific things, we can actually help to recalibrate this availability heuristic so that the things that come more readily to mind are going to be things that align more with what is reality and what we want to feed it. So for me, in my little social media email break, I had realized the purpose of social media for me was completely disconnected from what I was experiencing with it. And this is what really tipped me off that something was not right. I thought I was using social media and the internet to educate and to inspire myself in my dance and in my professional development work. But what I was realizing was after about five to 10 minutes of looking on social media, I was feeling that crap about myself. And it was happening every single time I was getting onto my phone. Uh, And it took a little while for me to pick up on this pattern. But once I did, I started to see it every single time I would get on my phone I would feel really frustrated and angry or disappointed in myself after about five to 10 minutes. So this, I think, is probably pretty common for a lot of folks right now because a lot of us are spending more time on social media than maybe we have in the past because we're all in the middle of this pandemic issue and we're not able to go out as much. So we are socializing through social media more. And so it's really important for us to be aware of the inputs that we're putting in and how it may be affecting us. I was able to really look at it at that point on my vacation and say, you know, I really need to reevaluate how I am relating to social media and how I'm using it because it right now it's using me. It's feeding me these images that are making me feel bad and it's shutting down my creativity. It's shutting down my motivation to do better and to work on myself as an individual instead of working on myself in comparison to other people. Once I stopped looking at social media so much, and once I realized that this availability heuristic was at play in my brain, I was able to see it. I was able to see how it was affecting my self-judgment. It was affecting what I considered quote-unquote normal. And I was able to be a lot kinder to myself. I was able to really listen to what I wanted. And I was able to appreciate the work and the success of other people without feeling competitive or that I was falling behind. And on that same note, 
really being aware of the context that we are feeding into our brain can help us to say no or prioritize things off of our plate that aren't really things we want to do, but that we're feeling weirdly pressured to do just to keep up. So if you're feeling scattered or overwhelmed, you're trying to do a ton of different things, this is where we really have to pay attention because we may be trying to keep up with people who are doing things that don't really at our core move and motivate us. We, we tend to separate from our own unique ideas of success when we're constantly looking at other people's. We each have our own success barometer is the one way I like to think of it. And we have to measure our success against our own barometer. When we use someone else's barometer of success, or even worse, what they show other people is their barometer of success, this can cause us to try to find successes for ourselves in the wrong places. When we use outside images to define what success means for us, either consciously or not, we end up divorcing ourselves from what we truly value. Now, I'll give you another example. For anyone who's ever seen me perform or danced with me or worked with me, I am a curvier dancer. My social media feed and the videos that I was watching on YouTube were all filled with very lean, very fit, very small dancers. This was on both a conscious and subconscious level of feeding into my perception of myself as a dancer. When I realized that this was the only image that I was inputting into my brain, and therefore that availability heuristic whenever I would think of what is a really good dancer look like, that thin image was what was popping into my head. So I had to consciously create a new context for myself. I had to go out and start looking for dancers whose bodies looked more like mine. And I started following those dancers and watching those dancers perform in videos. I started looking at their costume choices and I started trying to normalize that type of body in my dance. Because in my own life, as a teacher of dance and as a a woman who wants to build up other people in their lives, I value size diversity. But I wasn't feeding my brain size diverse images. I value racial diversity and inclusion and belonging of different races in everything that we do. It is so critically important. But I realized that what I was being fed by the algorithms of all the social media programs that I was using, they were feeding me the exact same type of dancer, younger than me, white, very fit. It was a conscious exercise to go out and find dancers of color, to find dances of other genders, to find other types of dancers with different levels of ability, dancers who were different ages from me, dancers who worked in different styles than I did, to try to normalize what actually is reality 
but I wasn't seeing it because of the images that were being fed to me. So I hope this is making sense. This is what I mean when we talk about curating your own context. Look at the things that you value and build your context of the images that you're taking in through email and social media and books and television and all that stuff. Be conscious of the images that are going into your brain because they are affecting the way that you are looking at the world. All right, so I covered a lot so far in this episode. It's time to take all of this stuff and let's let it simmer down a little bit here. So here are some things for you to think about uh, as you take this information. Hopefully some things resonated with you and take these ideas out and put them into practice. So first, what are you feeding your brain and how is that affecting the context that you have for yourself? What do you value in your career, in your dance life, and in your personal life? What can you normalize for yourself? in your context to match more with your values? Is it different shapes of bodies? Is it diversity of race, age, gender, ability? What does that look like? And how can you normalize that for yourself by adding that into your context? Next is to normalize the context around your learning curve. So create a context of dancers at a similar skill level that you are at. This can help you to feel that you're not falling behind. I love that people are now posting like fail videos. They're posting practice videos. And I think that's been one tiny silver lining with the COVID-19 pandemic is that people are stuck in their homes. And this is the way that we're connecting with each other is on a much more realistic basis than we used to. This not only humanizes the person, but it also humanizes the learning process. So watch videos of dancers practicing. Look for videos of dancers in early stages of their careers. Watch videos of yourself from your early days of dancing to see your own incremental growth. You can even think about in your professional life where you were five years ago in your career versus where you are now. This is all about normalizing that learning curve. And this can help to cultivate ourselves instead of competing with other people. This is building a context that really inspires and motivates you. Lastly, when you see people passing you on their highway of success, remember that there is actually not one single highway. We've all been taking our own paths through life. Some of us have been on a little bit more circuitous path than others, and we're all driving different vehicles. They may have been driving on that one highway the whole time, and you may have taken exits and diverted off here and diverted off here and tried different things. It's impossible to compare where we are with where other people are because we all are on different paths. The last thought I want to leave you with in this episode is that practicing does not equal failing. Practicing equals learning. Practicing equals growth. And I'm not talking about perfect practice. I'm talking about real growth, real development, focused on getting incrementally better in the skills that you're working on, even if they don't necessarily match with what we're seeing other people doing when they are already posting that final attempt video where they finally got everything the way they wanted it to look. Normalize 
practicing for yourself, normalize incremental growth for yourself around the values that you hold. And we'll let that availability heuristic work for us instead of against us to really dampen down that perfectionism that a lot of us deal with. I hope this episode was useful for you. If you have any thoughts about this, any feedback you'd like to share, stories you would like to share with the other listeners, I would love to hear them. Please reach out to me and I look forward to talking to you soon. Well, thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to this podcast and share the magic with your dance friends. If you want more, you can sign up for our mailing list at bellydancealchemy.org or you can email me your suggestions and feedback. I would love to hear from you at bellydancealchemypodcast at gmail.com. Bye.